God's chosen people extend beyond lineage, and that wasn't new with Jesus. Already God was showing that his grace would extend to the ends of the earth, and Ruth is an example of that because she is not an Israelite by birth, yet she ends up in our Lord and Savior's lineage. And she's a true Israelite, not because of her biology, but because of her confession. Hello, my friends, and welcome to How to Study the Bible. What a joy and privilege it is that we get to expand our knowledge of God's Word while uh, engaging our heart with the purposes of God in our lives. And truly, those two things go together on this podcast. The work that we do here is not just so that we can have more Bible knowledge. It's actually so that you, yeah, you, right where you are today in your home, your work, you're actually able to engage the purposes of God for your life. And I really believe in a completely supernatural way, God uses his word individually in each of our lives. Every one of you listening right now, whether it's right when this podcast releases or several months from now, God, because he has said that his word is living and active, I have the privilege of just partnering with you in what the spirit is doing in your life and why this is exactly what you need today. This is exactly where you need to be right now. We are in a series called Unveiled, and we are exploring ways that our minds are open to the fullness of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, through this idea that when we are in Christ, we have this bigger uh, experience of God's Word, that things that perhaps in the Old Testament were historically uh, contextual then Um, now have almost an expanded meaning as we enter in with Christ. And so we've been walking through several Bible characters, each of whom truly we could have a full series on, but we're just doing a, a breeze through several different characters whose lives, whose work is transformed, is fulfilled, is expanded through how we see Jesus engage with these stories of Scripture. So today, We are in the book of Ruth. I actually gave you the challenge to read the whole book of Ruth last week. It's only four chapters. It doesn't take too long. So if you've read it, good on you. And if you haven't, I hope that the next few minutes might inspire you and encourage you to spend some time reading this story if you haven't in a while or you never have seen it yet. Um, Sometimes when we get into these kind of stories, we can find that we bring a lot of our own kind of cultural awareness, our own things we've heard in church along the way. And I want to encourage you to kind of put those aside. And we're going to find, particularly today, that the use of our study notes, our introductions, a good study Bible, which we talk extensively about in the beginning of the podcast, when I really walk through the whole Alive method. So you can always go back there to listen to that. But that idea of really slowing down and before we put any cultural lens on what we're reading uh, through our own kind of story, through our own moment in time through our own history, we really do want to say, okay, what did it say then? What did the story really mean then for the audience that was reading it before we go to, okay, what does it mean for us now? And anytime we engage with stories of particularly women in the Bible, 
it's really important that we slow down a little bit and understand the historical context because it is so different than our context, particularly those of you who are living in a democratic country, if you're in America, if you're in a Western, westernized country, um, our experience of men and women is so, so different than really just the way the world operated at the time that these works, books were written. So we're going to talk about that briefly today. Again, we're doing a little bit of a, a flyover, but our particular lens when we look at the book of Ruth today is going to be based in how the story is comes into its fullness because of Christ, okay? So I'm going to point you to Matthew chapter 1 for us to start right at the beginning of the Gospels. And at the beginning of Matthew chapter 1, there is a genealogy. If you're familiar with the term, a genealogy is, in its own way, it's a family tree. It's sort of tracing the history of a person, kind of who their father was, their father, their father. Generally, that lineage would pass from father to father. And the beginning of Jesus's life in Matthew, because the particular lens of the book of Matthew is through the, the Jewish tradition. So it was written to a Jewish audience. So you're going to find a lot of those Jewish... Uh, traditions that you'll see in the book of Matthew, particularly also Matthew, that book calls on the prophecies of Jesus that were written well before his time. So the book of Matthew starts the same way, and we have this whole genealogy of those who have come before Jesus, starting all the way back at Abraham and going all the way through, talking about the father was the father of so-and-so, all the way through, all the way down to Joseph, uh, the father of Jesus. So here's the story. Here's the crazy thing. We find that there are actually a several, there's five women listed in this genealogy that follows father to father. And that is very interesting. That is very unusual. And all five of these women have a particular and important role to play in the genealogy of Jesus. That's a whole nother series. We're going to look at verse five. It says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. So before we even read the story of Ruth, I want you to hear and understand that Ruth was so valuable, so important to the story of Jesus, such a crucial part of the life of Jesus Christ that she is named in his genealogy, even though that was a very unusual practice. This was not a time of egalitarian living. This was still today. We don't live in really equal um, sort of life for men and women. But at that time, women uh, could not hold property, which we see happen in the book of Ruth. Women, of course, just biologically are physically, generally physically weaker than men. And at the time that Ruth was written and the time of Jesus, life was run. The way that the world was run was by conquest and power. And a lot of times that power was a physical power. There was no 911 to call. The police weren't going to come to your aid. It wasn't like that. And so it was often like the, the strong survive. And women, just physically and also the way that the culture was at the time, had no power. They had almost no power in life. And to understand that makes the stories make sense.
sense. This is not in any way God saying that women are inferior to men. This is why Bible interpretation is so crucial. Because if we just take a story like Ruth and we don't understand where it came from, we don't understand the context that it was written, we don't explore a little bit of the history. And guys, I'm not talking about reading 20 commentaries. I'm just talking about reading your study notes, you know, in your your 15 minutes of Devo time before you jump ahead and be like, this means that God thinks this. No, like we really want to understand as much as we can, just a little bit of the historical context. And I've given you just a few pieces of information about Ruth, things that you would find in the book introduction, things that you begin to understand about the time that the Old Testament was written that really give us the context that we need to enter into this story. So the first thing that we're going to know before we get even into Ruth is that Ruth is re mentioned in the New Testament in Jesus's genealogy in a very unusual way. So she clearly has a very important role to play in our understanding of the story of God that he's written for us. So we're going to go back now into Ruth. So if you want to flip in your Bible, I'm going to pull out one passage for us to look at that we're going to work through with the Alive Method. It's Ruth chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Now, we'll we'll give you a little bit of a flyover of the story, but let's talk a little bit about what happens here in this verse. So before we got here in Ruth 2, a couple of things that you need to know. Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law. So there's kind of three main characters in this story. Well, four if you include the Lord. Naomi, Ruth, and a man named Boaz. And what we see transpire here is that Naomi's sons have died, leaving her daughters-in-law as widows with no children, no heirs. And they are also not Israelites. So Naomi's sons did not marry, quote unquote, within the tribe. They married Moabite women. And so Ruth wasn't even part of God's chosen people in sort of her lineage. She was an outsider. And in the beginning of the story, we see that even though Naomi tries to get her daughter-in-laws to go back to their own land, because Naomi is now going to go back to her hometown, she's destitute, she has no sons to claim her land, she's now going to be a vulnerable person. And so she's she's kind of going to go back and most likely beg or, or sort of scrape together some kind of living back in her hometown. And so she leaves and she tells her daughter-in-laws, don't come with me. There's not going to be anything for you. There's not going to be, I can't have another son. There's no one that's going to be able to have us continue in our family lineage. Truly, Naomi, it says in scripture, was empty. She had nothing. She had no prospects. She had no plans and she had no hope. And out of that, Ruth refuses to leave her. And in this beautiful sort of language that's often used at weddings, she says, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Many point to that as Ruth's real conversion. Like she she brought herself before God as her God, even though that's not the way that she was raised. There's lots of different gods at that time. And she wasn't raised as an Israelite. And so she's claiming all of Naomi's sort of lineage and won't leave her and stays with her. So Ruth is now the younger, Naomi's the older, and they go back to their hometown. And Ruth is now going to glean in fields. We know in the Old Testament that God told his people, people were required to leave some of their harvest on the field so that those who are poor, um, you'll see in the big scope of scripture, God really does deeply care about social justice. And he enacts that in the way his community cares for one another. And so those who were righteous, those who were God-fearing, who were following the law, would leave like crops at the edge of their field so that people who were poor could come and glean, meaning take kind of whatever was left over. So Ruth sets out to glean. She sets out to do that work. So she's she's out alone, 
vulnerable, physically smaller than the men who would be working in the fields. And she just so happens, which I love in scripture, because you know God is always at work. God is always behind these little things that happen in our life. She just so happens to land in Boaz's field. It says in scripture that Boaz was a righteous man. And so he takes note that she's in the field. She tells He tells his men not to harm her, not to mess with her. He makes sure that they leave her plenty. And she, you know, he sort of extends this hospitality and kindness to her. And so then she goes home to Naomi. And this is what we pick up in verse 19. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours one of our redeemers. Okay. Let's say you're reading through the book of Ruth. You're not hearing this. You're just trying to figure it out. Hopefully you may notice if you're paying attention to the story, as we go through a live method, first question, what does it say? This is the first time in the story that Naomi has any hope. Like she's just losing, losing, losing. And then this thing happens and we see her get hope. And if you look at your study notes, you'll actually learn that this is the pivotal part of the entire book. Ruth is actually an intricately laid out story. So beautifully written. You can read in your book introduction about it. Um, Just a remarkable work of literature, just an amazing story. And this is the hinge verse. This is the point where things change because Naomi goes from hopelessness to having hope. And that hope comes because of this just so happen to happen kind of experience where Ruth ends up in Boaz's field. Naomi then says to Ruth, hey, here's the situation. This is a close relative of ours. Now, if you go to your study notes and you read about a kinsman redeemer, just in your study notes, you're going to learn quite a lot that would give you plenty to study if you wanted to continue to understand this. And one of the things that you're going to find out is what a kinsman redeemer is. I'm just going to read to you from the study notes in my NIV study Bible, just so that you understand that I'm not bringing you knowledge from like my seminary experience. I'm bringing you knowledge that I'm literally reading out of the same kind of study Bible that I recommend to you. It says this, redemption is a key concept in Ruth. Now here's what the study notes say, see introduction, theme and theology. So if I was really jumping in to study God's word and I found myself intrigued by what was happening here in the book of Ruth, I want to encourage you to actually follow the instructions that are in your study notes. So our our sweet commentators are saying, hey, if you want to understand how redemption is the theme of the book of Ruth, Make sure you read the introduction. So that's my challenge for you if you want to continue your study is go read your study Bible introduction. It's going to tell you about how redemption is such a key component of the book of Ruth. And if you've been around the church for a bit, you know redemption is also the key component of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So here we are in the Old Testament before Jesus, and we're seeing these hints of what's to come the shadow of who Jesus will be, the ultimate redemption that we are going to find in Christ. And so if you were interested in that, you would want to follow your study notes. It goes on to say, 
the kinsman redeemer. So this is the word that uh, Naomi has said to Ruth. She said, this is interesting that you've landed in Boaz's field because he is our kinsman redeemer. And so the kinsman redeemer was responsible. This is the study notes. The kinsman redeemer was responsible for protecting the interests of needy members of the extended family. They were responsible for redeeming land that a poor relative had sold or redeeming a relative who'd been sold into slavery and avenging the killing of a relative. So basically the idea here is if there is a relative in the lineage who is unable to care for themselves for any kind of circumstance, there has been, God actually wrote into his law this way for the family to be taken care of. And so Naomi, not Ruth, Naomi would have fallen into that category because she's a widow without sons. So there's no one to claim her family land that she would have had back in her hometown. So all of a sudden we're in this moment of hope where Naomi, that's all, we just want to understand, what does it say? So when we're asking, what does it say? And what's the backstory? We're really trying to get acquainted with what was happening in the historical context of that time. Now, if you go on and continue to study Ruth, you're going to find that what happens next is remarkable in uh, chapter three, because what happens next is that Ruth is sent by Naomi, and Naomi basically says, appeal to the righteousness of Boaz to take care of you. Naomi doesn't say appeal to the righteousness of Boaz to take care of me. She says, Ruth, I want you to appeal to his righteousness to take care of you. And so she sends Ruth out to the threshing floor where there would have been uh, men harvesting to basically appeal to Boaz's righteousness and, and propose marriage to him. That's what Ruth does. She, she uses a phrase that says, spread the corner of your garment over me, which sort of means like, take me under your wing. And this is in chapter three. But what Ruth actually ends up doing is she says, spread the corner of your garment over me. This is chapter three, verse nine, since you are a kinsman redeemer. So she actually calls on the moral um, the moral righteousness of Boaz to do the right thing. And in doing so, we see this thread of redemption going all the way through the book of Ruth. It is a love story, but it is way more than a love story. It's not just a love story in the sense of like, Ruth fell in love with Boaz. I mean, that's sweet, but it's probably not accurate to the historical context. I'm not saying that love isn't important, but I want to make sure that you understand what was actually happening in that time and how important it would be for Naomi and Ruth to have provision and safety in a dangerous world. And that when Ruth calls on Boaz's righteousness and Boaz follows through, he becomes their kinsman redeemer. We see this thread of redemption, this idea that in order to uh, be redeemed, there's a cost to it. And you can see that in the end of, of the book of Ruth. There's a cost to redemption. And Boaz in his righteousness is willing to take that cost. Okay, so what does it mean for us? So much more we could say, but we don't have all day. What does it mean for us? Um, here's kind of two things I wrote down as far as principles that you could take from this passage in Ruth. The first one is this. God's redemption extends to every true Israelite. The idea that there are true Israelites, meaning God's chosen people extend beyond lineage. And that wasn't new with Jesus. That was new before Jesus. Before Jesus was, already God was showing that his grace would extend to the ends of the earth. And Ruth is an example of that because she is not an Israelite by birth, yet she ends up in our Lord and Savior's lineage. 
as an, an important, crucial element of Jesus's life is this woman, Ruth. And she's a true Israelite, not because of her biology, but because of her confession, because of her belief when she says, your God will be my God. And in the way that she lives out her days, she ends up having a child with Boaz. And that child is that part of that lineage that we just discussed. In fact, that's actually a part of David's lineage. We're going to explore David next week. Uh, Next thing it means, God uses human means to extend his redemptive grace. Just a principle, a theory to think about. I think in the book of Ruth, we see that God uses human means to extend his redemptive grace. Ruth just so happens to find herself in Boaz's field. Boaz is able to show God's grace to Ruth. Ruth then goes to Boaz and calls on the righteousness of God. Now Ruth is extending grace to Boaz. We see it all over that God uses human means to extend his redemptive grace. So what does it mean for you? We talk about expanding our knowledge so that we can expand and understand the purposes of God for our own lives. I'm wondering today, what have you perceived as beyond the care of the Lord? What feels hopeless or too far gone or too broken or too outside of his redeeming love? What does it mean for you today to believe that God extends divine love through human means as his protection and love? God doesn't have to use human means, but sometimes he does. So perhaps today you might be aware about the way that God has used people in your life who've gone before you, whose shoulders you stand on, who've extended a helping hand or a hand of kindness, who've expressed with their own lives what redemption really looks like, and maybe take a minute to thank God for those people in your life. Okay, next week, we're going to be talking about David in Matthew chapter 22, 41 through 46, as well as Psalm 110. Talk with you then. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes.
Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.